G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dominic. How are you today? <laughs> oh, do you want the real answer or the the show answer? <laughs> you know that I'm always about truth, so I would love it. Although I think I know the answer to it. It's just whether or not you want to share that with our listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, clearly we're playing ping pong hangover game. Kate, mm-hmm. you did last week. I did the week before. It's my turn again. This was yep. the... This was the week of work holiday parties and then, you know, it's always a good idea to do your friend's holiday party the week, I mean, the day after. So I'm a little dusty, but I think I'm looking pretty fresh and ready for today's epic story. Fantastic. I love that. How are you doing? I'm pretty well, thank you. I am, um, I've taken a couple of days just, you know, I've just been a bit exhausted post COVID being let out. It's, you know, it's not for everyone. And it hasn't been for me. So I've just been taking stock in my, you know, mental health and physical health and just trying to get on top of that, which is great. So I'm actually feeling fine today. No hangover. But I've taken now two days off. So the rest of my uh, year will just be, I'll just be in a permanent state of hangover, I think. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) get your Panadol ready. Yeah, each to their own. She'll be... Omicroning all over the place, I'm sure. Ah, oh, Omicron. 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 It's going to be such a stupid <laughs> Aussie meme. I know, I hate it. All right, so today's topic, let's get to it, Kate, because this is actually a slightly longer one, so I, I definitely don't want us to run out of time. Yeah. But we thought it's about time that you and I introduce everybody into what's going to be a recurring theme I believe, mm-hmm. or a recurring topic is at least my very deep-seated fear of deep water and, you know, you can't see the bottom of wherever you were swimming, any of that sort of stuff, just that the fear is real for me. So I'm, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm just gently easing us into this topic of underwater or deep water, anything water-related. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, water births, rivers, <laughs> dams. All of those. I'm not into it at all. Actually, on a little sidebar, because I knew we were going to be doing some sort of water-based episode today, um, Mm -hmm. I watched... It was just garbage. I didn't really watch it. When I say watch, it was on in the background, but it was called 47... I saw it. it, What is it? 47 metres deep or something? Yeah, Um, Uncaged. uh, Uncaged. (laughs) So it was the sequel. And what, what hooked me was that, yeah, it was an underwater... Uh, film and I knew we'd be talking about something like that today but I was like you know I haven't seen like a you know crappy like uh, scary animal film in a long time so I'm like yeah let's chuck it on Um, I literally got like halfway through the movie and I was like what happened to like John Corbett like he's the only adult in this situation he's a professional diver he's doing his thing why is he not giving these girls instructions on how to escape this underwater tomb thing um, and then, uh, so I went, <laughs> I had to go back and it's clear I hadn't been watching the film cause he had died like 20 minutes <laughs> earlier. 
I just didn't even notice that he was gone. So where's the instructor gone? Okay, well, I haven't watched it yet. I was gonna watch it. Um, so thanks for ruining a bit of. Oh, it I'm so sorry. I'm kidding. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Honestly, it's not gonna make a difference as to whether. I think, or not, <laughs> whether I'm pretty or not you sure enjoy we it. could have written the script ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Probably but, right now. <laughs> I mean, you don't know how he dies. Yeah. True. <laughs> it Very is a shark true. film. So mm. I bet you couldn't guess, but you don't know how. <laughs> well, yes, I'm sure at some point in this podcast, I will definitely do some stories around sharks because sharks are probably my number one fear. Really? Uh, absolutely. I sharks, didn't, I just 100%. realized I haven't even asked you that. Like if we mm. are talking about our number one fears, I haven't done an episode on uh, spiders either. Yeah. And so I feel like that's ooh, creature-based yeah horror i'm just saving um, that i want to introduce us slowly into this topic and yeah uh, there's so much that can be done around water a lot of people have fears for lots of different reasons whether it's creatures whether it's getting lost at sea which i mm. would definitely want to do a story on as well yeah but today i'm gonna keep it a little bit more light-hearted maybe less graphic because i usually go pretty dark pretty quickly i like that though so this is more of a mystery podcast episode today um, so I hope you really enjoy it. I really like it. But this is the story of the ship called the Carol A. Deering. Mm. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. <laughs> we that? should get sushi, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't have to do too much of a disclaimer this week because guess what? I'm not touching on anything really sensitive. But nice. again, if you've got an issue with Kate and I's gallows humor, please just piss off because we don't want you here. Anyway, uh, yep. there's more podcasts you could be listening to. Um, Absolutely. So off your trot. Yep. <laughs> if it ain't your vibe, then you can wander off into the podcast world and find something else, no doubt. But for those of you that are staying. Oh, thanks. yeah. Anyone left? Are you <laughs> anyone? Here? Anyone? Hello? Hello? <laughs> No, it's just you and I. Okay. Hi, Mum. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Chels. <laughs> Your mum and my sister, our two audience members. <laughs> yep, love it. Shout out. Here we go. Oh, and my friend Blake, actually, that's true. He has given me some good feedback too, so I better shout out. <laughs> Three you, listeners. Blake. I can't it's like wait the to whole meet you. membership group of the North Melbourne Football Club. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So the Carol A. Deering, that's the name of the ship. I know it's quite a long-winded name, but, I, you know, we're going back in time a little bit and there's quite some interesting names. Yeah. So the Carol A. Deering was built in Bath, Maine in 1919 by the Gigi Deering Company for commercial shipping. Uh, and the owner of the company named the ship after his son and it was one of the last large commercial sailing vessels of its time. And the ship was designed to carry cargo and had been in service for already a year when it began its final voyage to Rio de Janeiro, Ooh, Brazil. When my baby spars me, I go Rio. That's <laughs> exactly. all I think of. Yeah. So on July 19th, 1920, the Deering sailed from Puerto Rico and arrived at Newport News to pick up a cargo of coal for delivery to Rio. And the ship was captained by a man named William H. Merritt. And Merritt's own son, Seawall, was his first mate. And they had a 10-man crew made up of entirely pretty much Scandinavians, mostly Danes. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty small crew of people, 10 and then the captain and first mate. 
Okay. There's a couple others as well, but you know, it's not a huge group. Now, Captain Merritt, he was a hero. He was like a World War, World War One hero. He had been cited for bravery under fire for saving his entire crew when his previous command, the Deering built schooner, the Dorothy B. Barrett, the Ooh, names is just they hilarious. Just roll off the tongue. Uh, that ship was sunk by a German submarine uh, off the Cape, off uh, Cape May in New Jersey in 1918. So, anyway, the point is William H. Merritt. He knows what he's on about. He's a very brave, awesome man, and his son Seawall's his first mate. So that's the crew for the Carolee Deering. Mm-hmm. But. On August 26, 1920, the Deering cleared the Virginia Virginia Capes bound for Rio, but Captain Merritt soon fell really, like, sort of mysteriously and unexpectedly ill. Okay. Out of nowhere. And the Deering had to turn back and put into the port in Delaware to drop off Merritt and his son. So not only did the captain leave, but his son as well. So mm-hmm. they're now without a captain and a first mate. And this is just the first of quite a lot of mysterious things that happen. So keep keep a tally if you can. All right, I will. I'm going to get my pen. Mysterious things number one. One. <laughs> <laughs> now, the ca- I'm just going to call it the Carol. That's, Great. It's, it's a bit easier. Done. The Carol, obviously, they're meant to go out to Rio to drop off this cargo. They've had to turn around. Their captain's sick and now they've, they've lost both the captain and the first mate. So they decided to recruit someone else named Willis B. Warmel. And mm. he was a retired 66-year-old 60, veteran sea captain. And he they also hired Charles B. McClellan as first mate to replace them on the voyage to Brazil. So out with the merits. And now we've got Warmel and McClellan. Okay. Stepping in. I think, you know, just, sorry, sidebar. I love how they always have first name, middle initial, surname. So... Mm-hmm. You know, Catherine M. Wilkinson, Dominic, uh, oh my God, F. There F. Go. T- <laughs> like that confused. was going to help. Yeah, yeah. It was a hand signal, which did I not know. make any sense. That's it. Yeah, it's very formal, mm. right? Anyway, so here we go. We've got the merits who, you know, a bit of foreshadowing here or me spoiling it. They're kind of lucky that they did feel, uh, fell uh, mysteriously ill because it, Ended up being a good thing. Because but, the mystery count is going to go up. I'm still yes. at one. So now we've got Captain Warmel and First Mate McClellan. Now, the Deering with Warmel in command, they set sail for Rio on September 8th, 1920. And they arrived there and delivered its cargo all without incident. It was all smooth sailing. Pardon Perfect. the pun. All normal. <laughs> now, as was customary, Warmel gave his crew leave while he met with an old friend who captained another cargo vessel that was docked in Rio, a, a guy named Captain Goodwin. And Warmel spoke of his crew with quite a lot of disdain. So this was the 10-man crew that he'd sort of inherited from Merritt. Sure. He kind of spoke a bit about them with a bit of disdain. He said he claimed that he only really trusted his engineer, a guy named Herbert Bates. And this Captain Goodwin... Uh, he had he had already known uh, this Herbert Bates before, so it was like, okay, well, you know, you can trust this guy. We're all friends. We know each other. You should be good, but it's a shame your your crew's a bit, I don't know, shitty or a bit shit, yeah, whatever. But normal kind of at the pub, having a knockoff drink. They just made this long voyage over to Rio. They haven't. They're, they're just letting off some steam. But this Captain Goodwin, who who met uh, uh, Warmel, uh, 
for on their leave he, you know these are the stories that or these are the accounts that make up this story so we get we got captain goodwin's account so they're in rio now they got to come back obviously so the deering they sorry the carol left rio on december 2nd so a couple months after mm -hmm. 1920 and stopped for supplies in barbados and now this is where things start to go a little funny okay now while their first mate mcclellan got drunk as you do in town and yeah, he same. complained to a buddy of his captain hugh norton that he could not discipline the crew without uh, captain warmel interfering and that he had to do all the navigation because warmel was uh, like really old and he had really poor eyesight so he was having to do all the work of his captain okay <laughs> so Things are going, things are not looking so crash hot. Can we count that as another mystery as to how a man who's, you know, can't read maps is able to be the captain of a ship? Can I pop yep. that down as a mystery? Sure. Thank <laughs> you. We're on to two. So McClellan's getting a bit drunk. They're in Barbados. They're about to make the last long trip back. So okay. they did Rio. They went to, a bit to Barbados to get supplies and now they're about to go all the way back. And first mate McClellan's, again, letting off a bit of steam. It's his turn and he's gotten drunk and he's having a complaint to one of his friends and says, yeah, the crew's really annoying. I can't discipline them. And the captain's blind and I've <laughs> got to do his work as well. <laughs> this guy, he sounds like a sourpuss. Yeah. But it's important that we know these different bits of the story here. So Captain Goodwin back in Rio mm -hmm. was able to give his account of meeting with uh, with Captain Warmel. Okay. And now it's the first mate's turn. So there's all these points of contact here where people are sort of confirming the story and sharing these really odd details. Right. So later that day, Captain Norton, uh, the friend, uh, and his first mate and another captain, they were in the Continental Cafe in Barbados and they heard first mate McClellan say... I'll get the captain before we get to Norfolk. I will. And that's it. That's all they heard. Okay. I will get him glasses so he can see better. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Laser eye <laughs> surgery. <laughs> Fred Hollow's that guy. So, yeah, in, in quotes, they, you know, they, there's something odd and fishy going on. Um, and later that day, sorry, later that night, McClellan would end up being arrested for being drunk and disorderly. Mm -hmm. um, so he's obviously on, on the piss, a bit like me last night. <laughs> now, despite all of that, on January 9th, uh, Captain Warmel actually bailed his first mate McClellan out of jail. Clearly, mm. he needed him because he couldn't mm. see yeah. And they finally got underway and they set sail for Hampton Roads and that's heading back to the States. So stateside. Okay. And cue the ominous music. <gasps> now, the next time anyone saw this ship was three weeks later on January 28th, 1921. A Captain Jacobson, the lightships keeper at Cape Lookout off the coast of North Carolina, tried hailing the ship from his post. He reported seeing a strange, tall, thin man with reddish hair and a foreign accent speaking through a megaphone from the boat. Now this strange man supposedly told him that the vessel had lost its anchors in a storm off of Cape Fear and asked that the ship's owners, the GG Deering Company, be notified to come and rescue them. Now this Captain Jacobson, the lightship keeper, he took note of this, but his radio was out, sadly, and he wasn't able to report it. I'm putting that down as another mystery. We're up to three. 
Mm -hmm. Mm. Get ready for number four, because he also (gasps) said he noticed that the crew seemed to be milling around on the quarter deck of the ship, an area where they're usually not allowed. And they're sort of just randomly wandering and sort of zombie-like just in parts of the ship where they shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay. The following afternoon, the crew of another vessel transiting in the area, they spotted the carol sailing a course that would take it directly onto what's called the Diamond Shoals. Now, the Diamond Shoals, you can go look it up. If you know anything about any, you know, sort of ships or boats or oceans and things like that, it's, yep. it's where boats should not go. It's very it's very shallow. Uh, right. It's either coral reefs or rocks or things like that, and the mm-hmm. ship's going to sink. So, Do they call it the Diamond Shoals because the rocks and stuff are sharp like diamonds? Ooh, or maybe. like strong? I don't know. I don't know anything about boats or oceans. I try to stay away from those things. Yeah. That'll be a question for our listeners to answer. Perfect. Please write in. Let us know. <laughs> We're not doing the googly. We've done enough. Someone help us out. So yeah, there's another ship that was in the area, and they said that they saw the Carol directly heading for the Diamond Shoals. Now they, however, saw no one on the ship's decks. They said it was completely abandoned, and they didn't attempt to hail it, assuming that the crew would eventually spot all the. Like there's lighthouses and there's other signals and things throughout. Whenever you're in that part of dangerous water, there's either a lighthouse or there's something that to, to tell the captain mm. and, and, and the crew, you know, steer clear of this. So they just, they ignored it and they yeah. thought, don't worry, they'll, 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 they'll know to, to turn and, and move. But Oh, I like this already. Yeah. Now, January 31st, 1921, the Deering, sorry, the Carol, Mm-hmm. was sighted at dawn by a surfman, a guy named Brady, who was on lookout duty at the Coast Guard station at Cape Hatteras. Now, this is all in the States. If you're at all interested, you can see it. You know, it's 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 not that complicated. It's uh, all the east coast of the United States. Okay. Um, now, the vessel was, all, was hard aground, so it's obvious that it had, um, had it wandered into the Diamond Shoals and it had run aground. And this is off like North Carolina, by the way, if you're trying to picture it. Yeah. And it's a very common risky part of the ocean. It's notorious for shipwrecks and, and, and stuff like that. And it's actually called the graveyard of the Atlantic. Okay. So it's a dangerous place to be, right? Mm. I'm just going to whip through the last bit of this and then we're going to get into the investigation and the possible reasons or things that could have happened to, to the crew of I the Carol Deering. Yes. Now, rescue ships were sent, but they were unable to approach the vessel owing to really bad weather. Mm-hmm. The ship was not boarded until February 4th. So it's a week or two later. Um, okay. So it's just sitting there. Yeah. And okay. and by then it's been battered by the surf for several days and it, and it was bad weather and it became clear that the schooner had been completely abandoned. Yeah. Her okay. steering equipment was found to be damaged with the wheel completely shattered the binnacle box stove in and the rudder disengaged from its stock. So it's in poor shape. Sure. It's hard to know when the damage occurred, but yeah. The ship's log and navigation equipment were gone as well, along with the crew's personal effects and the ship's two lifeboats. In the vessel's galley, it appeared that certain foodstuffs were being prepared for the next day's meal at the time of the abandonment. The Coast Guard... Uh, attempted to salvage the carol, 
but found it completely impossible. It's just in such a such disrepair, such damage, and such a dangerous part of the ocean. Mm. So the vessel was declared a hazard to navigation, and it was destroyed using dynamite explosives on March fourth to prevent oh, wow. it from becoming a danger to other vessels. Okay, a hazard for navigation. I like that. I, I've yes. been called that before. <laughs> now a portion of the ship's bow later uh, like drifted ashore. Uh, and the wooden timbers from the wreck also washed ashore in Hatteras Island, and they were used by local residents to build houses. I was just thought that was a really fun fact. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, so what the absolute fuck happened? Yeah. There's some there's some questions, right? I where, definitely have where some questions. Where did these people go? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay, so. I'll give you a little bit of background on the investigation into what happened uh, Mm -hmm. and then we'll get into what they call speculation. So there's been a lot of mystery and interest in this story over the years. So the formal investigation though. So the US government launched an extensive investigation into the disappearance of the crew of the Carol A. Deering. Five departments of government were actually interested in this ship. Commerce, Treasury, Justice, Navy and State. They all looked into this case. It's okay. very interesting. A lot of attention. Yeah, I was going to say, why so many? I mean, you're probably going to answer that maybe or touch on it. I don't know, but okay, cool. I'm in. Yeah, very curious. I think there's some other context that we have to keep in mind here, which I will get to. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the time of Herbert Hoover. <gasps> now, Herbert Hoover. Herbert. Uh, he was the uh, Secretary of Commerce at the time, and he was intrigued by the fact that several other vessels of various nationalities, most notably the sulfur freighter Hewitt. If that's a whole nother story, if you're at all interested, you may even already know it. It's quite a famous story. You can go read it, read mm-hmm. up about it. It's like Leighton, last name. Go look up the ship Hewitt. Uh, that had also disappeared in roughly the same area. Although most of these vessels were later revealed to have been sailing in the vicinity of a series of particularly powerful hurricanes, the Hewitt and the Carol Deering were proven to have been sailing away from the area of the storm at the time. Okay. So there's some confusion and, and, you know, questioning around why would these two ships who should be particularly fine and safe uh, not. Mm. (laughs) Now opposite. (laughs) Exactly. Now Hoover's assistant, uh, someone named Lawrence Ritchie, They were placed in charge of the investigation and Richie tried to chart what happened to the vessel between its last sighting at Cape Lookout, so Barbados, and its running aground at the Diamond Shoals. Um, And where Richie started was by reading the logbooks of the Coast Guard lightships stationed in those areas. So if you remember, the logbooks and everything were missing from the Carol Deering, but we had those sort of accounts from friends and other captains and first mates at all these places along the way and then there's always lighthouses throughout you know the ocean and they can track and navigate where ships have been and and so on so that's trying to kind of like engineer ex-engineer pre-engineer what's the reverse engineer (laughs) i got that (laughs) what the hell happened right yeah okay now last little interesting bit with the investigation is 
there was an Italian inquiry into the disappearance of uh, a vessel called the Mont Saint Michel, mm-hmm. and it confirmed that there had been really strong hurricanes in the vicinity. But mutiny was then accepted as the explanation of the Deering incident. So Ooh. there's there's a lot of weird things happening all at the same time, and that's what I'm about to get into. Okay, so now we're like there's sort of now there's kind of three ships. So obviously the the Carol Deering's our focus, but now mm. there's this Italian schooner and the Hewitt, the Hewitt. was it? Okay. Yes. All right. So and this is all kind of happening around the same time. Yes. So right. it sounds like there's some stuff happening that we weren't necessarily made aware of, or at least publicly at the time. Mm. Uh, the investigation was closed quite quickly in, in uh, 1922, mm-hmm. and there was never really a proper explanation given. They just gave mutiny as the most likely thing right, to have okay. happened. Yeah. So they weren't 100% certain, but they just said, yeah. let's just call it that and put a full stop. Right. Exactly. I do remember reading this in the newspapers in 1922, <laughs> <laughs> back when I was in high school. <laughs> what was the name of your high school back then? Oh, Shit Kicker Academy. <laughs> I don't even know. Shit and Bricks High. Shit and Bricks Secondary <laughs> School. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. Let's let's figure this one out a little bit. There's been let's. a lot of really interesting uh, options or stories that have been tried to be, you know, they try and explain this is why this happened and this is why this happened. So let's go through the whole lot. But I want to start with a really interesting story. All right. First one is there was a number of rumors, obviously, about this incident. There was never they were never given a proper uh, explanation. So, of course, that just leaves room for people to come up with all sorts of things. Perfect. Uh, it first seemed uh, that there was like an external force that was responsible for the disappearance of the crew. It's kind of strange that they're seen walking around the, the deck kind of ominously and weirdly. And then all of a sudden they're no longer there a day later. Yeah. Um, so on April 11th, 1921. So this is, I'd say two, three months after the ship has been found and, and, and so on. Okay. A local fisherman named Christopher Columbus Gray claimed to have found a message in a bottle floating in the waters of Buxton Beach, North Carolina. He swiftly turned it over to the authorities and the text of the message was as follows. Deering captured by oil burning boat, something like chaser, taking off everything, handcuffing crew, crew hiding all over ship, no chance to make escape, Finder, please notify headquarters, Deering. Okay. I've got some questions. (laughs) (laughs) First and foremost, Christopher Columbus Gray. Does any relation to Christopher Mm. Columbus? Okay, just checking. Um, All right, so handcuffing crew. Okay, they're hidden all around the ship. Yeah, can you read it again? All right. Deering captured by Mm -hmm. oil-burning boat. Okay, so I'm going to pause you there. I'm picturing like a Pirates of the Caribbean, like a mm-hmm. dead, like a oil, a, literally a boat on fire mm. covered in oil that has captured. Okay, all right. That's where I'm at something, with that. Yeah, something like Chaser. So I believe that is a type of boat. Okay, all right. Taking off everything, handcuffing crew. Right. So would this maybe refer to the fact that all the personal belongings were gone? Uh, yes. the, you know, the 
navigation charts and maps and all of that sort of stuff were gone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Crew hiding all over ship. No chance to make escape. Wow. Okay. Finder, please notify headquarters. So I get creeped by the crew hiding all over ship because Mm. you can only imagine. So this is still a small crew, isn't it? About 10 ish. So let's say it's 10 or 12 people on this boat. So, and then we're thinking about, a boat that is, you know, big enough for, you know, carrying cargo and that sort of stuff, but not like a huge shipping container type thing. Mm-hmm. So you're wandering through and there's just people hiding in places, like crawl over the ship. That's all right. Now I'm getting like my own imagination going and it's starting to creep me out. Yes. Okay. Right. Great. So let's unpack this letter. The handwriting in the letter was identified as that of the ship's engineer, Bates. You remember Bates? Bates? I remember Bates. They they identified it by the widow of Captain Warmel, and the bottle was proven to have been manufactured in Brazil. This, along with the sighting of a mysterious steamer that arrived at the Cape Lookout lightship in the wake of the Carol Deering going missing, Mm. suggested hostile action. The captain of the lightship had attempted to hail the steamer to get its crew to relay the message from the Deering. Remember, his his radio wasn't working. Mm-hmm. But the steamer failed to respond, and he could not make out the ship's name, Ooh. as the crew had unfurled a canvas to cover the nameplate of the ship. Right. So if that doesn't make sense to you, there's the lighthouse ship that first saw the Carol Deering, and, and described it as people wandering around very mysteriously and, mm, and, and so the on. The red-headed, skinny, pale right. person with the megaphone. Okay. And the megaphone telling them to contact. Their mm-hmm. radio was broken, right? Mm-hmm. So not long after, there was this other steamer ship that was seen in the exact same area. And it was hiding its nameplate. Name. Okay. Was it on fire and covered in oil? It wasn't described that way. But okay. I'm going to leave Who that knows? up to you. Who knows? Ah! Now, I'm all for being critical and making sure that there's no ghosts and boogeymen under the, you know, under the bed. I'm not a fan of just blindly believing supernatural things. So I'm, I'm always a bit skeptical. Mm-hmm. And there was skepticism raised about this message in a bottle too. Now, if a crew member did manage to get a hold of paper and pen and a bottle and somehow managed to write a letter... Why would they request that the company be notified opposed to the police or the Coast Guard, Mm. which is pretty standard procedure? Why contact the company straight away? Some folks said it was for ransom. Who knows? But they did bring in some handwriting experts. And these experts concluded later on that the message was actually a forgery. Okay. And after further questioning by federal agents, Christopher Gray admitted to the forgery. The surfman had lied. Oh, Christopher Columbus, you naughty boy. Mm-hmm. And Gray apparently forged the note in hopes that the publicity he would garner from finding it help him secure employment at the Cape Hatteras light station. Right. Okay. okay. Oh, man. So, <laughs> a red herring. Yes, I like boogeymen and, and monsters. So I was I was all in. I mean, if you <laughs> rewind this pod five minutes, I was <laughs> I was all in. <laughs> we like to tell the truth here. That's true. We do. We like to tell the truth. But you know, jokes aside and questions aside, let's. I want to get to the actual uh, 
options that were that that are that could potentially be the reasoning behind what happened. So quite yeah. a lot of people have have this is quite a famous mystery mystery like deep water ocean case i've never Um, heard this one so i'm just mm. sitting back like our listeners and just absorbing i'm loving it well here are the theories and you can pick and choose whichever one you like best kate at the Mm -hmm. end i want to know what your your expert opinion is (laughs) yep my expert opinion in nautical um things there you go see even that (laughs) title is (laughs) My title is so, so prestige. I am a professional in nautical things. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get some of the obvious ones out of the way. Yeah. Not because they're less likely, but just because I think we've touched on them a little bit already. And mm-hmm. even uh, in the initial investigation, it was mentioned. So the first theory is hurricanes. Yeah. Now, the US government, particularly the Weather of Bureau, the Weather of Bureau, <laughs> the Weather of Bureau. The Weather Bureau strongly uh-huh. advocated a series of powerful hurricanes known to have been raging in the Atlantic as the cause of the, the disappearances. So mm. it wasn't just one ship. There's quite a lot that's happened. Yeah. Um, and as mentioned, um, however, both the Deering and the Hewitt were heading away from the path of these storms. In any case, several authors, including uh, some very well-known people, have pointed out that the state of the ship indicates an orderly rather than a panicked evacuation. Okay. So in a hurricane, if it's that violent and dangerous, you know, you're not going to sit there to neatly fold your underwear and and Mm-mm. so on and so forth. You're also so, not going to prepare your meal for the next day. They were saying there was, you know, evidence of a meal being prepared for the next exactly. day. If there's a hurricane, you're not going to, oh, we better get the sandwiches ready for tomorrow if we make it. No, mm. they're just going to jump, jump ship. Exactly. So that one doesn't quite sit right. At least mm-hmm. for me. The next one is piracy. Now, a Captain O.W. Parker of the United States Marine Shipping Board certainly believed piracy was responsible. He stated that, in his opinion, piracy without a doubt still exists as it has since the days of the Phoenicians. Captain Wormel's widow was a particularly strong advocate for this theory, and it's believed that a group of pirates were responsible for the various disappearances. However, there's never been any real evidence of this theory. Mm. Um, there's just tales of mysterious ships or ships that have blocked out there, the title or no, nameplate, all that's that it. sort of stuff. And none yeah. were ever caught, which is also, you know, that's it, it's hard to believe that there's a giant piracy racketeering thing going on when not a single ship has been sunk or found or there's mm. no hard evidence of piracy. So Okay. The third one theory you're going to love. Okay, I'm here for it. Russian communist piracy. Yeah! <laughs> we cannot go an episode without some Russian conspiracy. You'll love this one. I literally think that we've spoken about <laughs> Russia in every single episode so far. And, and you know I what? don't want to stop. We've actually got two <laughs> listeners from Russia, which oh, I really? love. Oh, really? Oh, my God. I love that so much. Oh, I hope that they can please, please, please um, write in and tell us how terribly we butcher the language, the pronunciation <laughs> of places. Oh, my God. Yes. The Russian Connection. I that's going to be, be that's gonna be our next pod series. The okay. Russian Connection. <laughs> 
Well, get a load of this theory. This one's quite an interesting one. All right, hit me. Um, So during a police raid on the headquarters of the United Russian Workers' Party, it's a communist organisation, all the way in New York City, uh, officers allegedly found papers that called on members of the organisation to seize American ships and sail them to the Soviet Union. This was widely believed to be relevant to the Carole Deering incident at the time, particularly by hardline anti-communists in the government. So you've got to think about the time and place where we are, right? Yeah. Um, however, again, there's really no evidence that surfaced that any of these allegedly planned activities were ever actually carried out. Yeah. Not just to the Carole Deering, but in general. Okay. But at least, you know, the, the closest they ever got was some papers found in, a, in, a, in an office in New York City saying, mm-hmm. casually suggesting that this should be done. <laughs> uh, I think partic- my favourite is the next one, theory number four, rum runners. <gasps> rum runners. Mm. Great. So a similar speculation to the above, like, you know, the, the other piracy theories, um, it speculates that a group of liquor smugglers working out of the Bahamas stole the ship to use as a rum running vessel Hmm. Uh, and this was during the prohibition era so there's there's a need oh yeah the caroline deering was large enough according to um a couple of uh senior sort of experts and stuff and they Mm -hmm. said it could roughly carry about a million dollars worth of liquor oh shoot you know not a bit of bit of change yeah absolutely now it's a bit doubtful that such a conspicuous and easily identifiable and comparatively slow vessel would constitute a choice for a target for smugglers. Um, and again, there's no evidence supporting that this was what happened to the Carole yep. Deering, but it's just another one of those theories. And look, I can imagine even if it isn't the fastest or, you know, not the your first choice, I don't think you get that picky when you're trying to steal a ship to mm. smuggle booze you'd get what you take whatever you could get take whatever you get yeah you see a ship go and take it sure all right theory number five mm-hmm. and this is quite a common one and we have to remember at this time mutiny was not all that uncommon like it mm. was a, it was a very serious thing can i just confirm like mutiny is when they like i don't know jump jump ship like go to a different like company can can you just um yeah a mutiny you, is that correct No, no, no. So it's a great question. A mutiny is when the crew of a ship, they no longer believe or want to follow the captain and the leadership of the ship. So the the crew decide to take control of the ship and they they might either set up a new captain or they might do something completely else. Cool. Got you. Thank you. Now, and we remember Merritt and Merritt's son had mysteriously fallen ill and left and were left with Warmel and um, McClellan. Two people that had not worked together. They didn't handpick the crew. It's, it's mm. a bit of a shit show in terms of a, a group of people that didn't know each other really, really well. Yeah. And Warmel supposedly couldn't see. So, <laughs> And there was from yeah. Captain Goodwin and from uh, the, other, uh, the other friend of McClellan, Hugh, in Barbados, there's these accounts of tension between, yeah. the, not just between the captain and the first mate, but also between the crew and the captain. So yeah, that's okay. why mutiny is quite a favourable theory. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what was officially given as the most likely reason by the US government. Got you. 
but I'll go into the the theory of it and and you can decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, Warmel's known conflict with A, his first mate, and his derisive comments towards his crew while in Rio de Janeiro suggested that something may have been amiss between the captain and his men on the voyage. Captain Jacobson at Cape Lookout, the one that saw but didn't have a working radio, mm-hmm. he thought it was odd. The man who hailed his vessel was definitely not Captain Warmel. Captain Warmel was not tall, thin, and redheaded. And he was not an officer, really, at any... Like, there was nothing to suggest that the man that was hailing it was an officer either. Yeah. Senator Frederick Hale of Maine advocated this theory of mutiny, stating it was a plain case of mutiny. Discontent with the captain could certainly have caused a mutiny of the crew, but once again, there's nothing definitive to prove that this is what the case is. It's just trying to piece together why is there a strange person on the boat hailing mm. for help? It's not the captain, it's not the first mate. Um, and all the previous accounts by friends that there was some disagreements. So logically, I can understand why they think mutiny might be a thing. Last but not least, and this is tying it back to, if you haven't thought of this already, listeners, I would be quite shocked. You cannot be any slower than I am today. (laughs) But the last and final theory is paranormal. Yes. And if you haven't guessed it by now, like I said, this is what's called the Bermuda Triangle. (gasps) That's where we're talking about. Oh, is that why you were giving everyone hints as to where this was happening and all of that? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Can I'm I testing just... you. <laughs> All right. Now, you just suggested that nobody could be as slow as you are today, Dom. You told me last night that this would be an episode about the Bermuda Triangle, and I literally <laughs> forgot until this exact moment. So who's who's slower than that? Like, <laughs> I knew it was coming, and it still shocked me. Three hours oh, sleep does a body good. <laughs> perfect. We are firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> Don't worry, Kate. Oh. No judgments here. Safe space. Safe space. All right. Last theory. Uh, Paranormal explanation. Now, the disappearance of the ship's crew has been cited by innumerable authors dealing with anomalous phenomena and the supernatural. Charles Fort, in his book, Low, first mentioned this vessel in a mysterious context and many subsequent chroniclers of sea mysteries have followed suit. Since this vessel sailed in the area, generally considered to be part of the so-called Bermuda Triangle, the disappearance of the crew has often been tied to this fact. That's probably the most mysterious part of this story is a crew wandering around aimlessly and then all of a sudden just disappearing. There's no sight of the uh, lifeboats or any of their belongings. It's, It's very strange. Yeah. And, and, and the speed in which it disappeared. And the fact that if they did leave the ship, they weren't in a hurricane. There was nothing dangerous. So they should have been fine. Yeah. Um, now, however, the ship's resting place, the Diamond Shoals, and its last known point of sighting and communication, which was Cape Lookout, they're several hundred miles away from the area generally known as the Bermuda Triangle. And there's no evidence, again, of anything paranormal, if there ever was. I think there is. I'm going but, for it. <laughs> but if we looked at the timeline of the Caroline Deering, everything, whatever did happen to the ship, mm-hmm. happened during its time in the Bermuda Triangle. And on the other side is when it 
sort of reappeared and things start going, start okay. getting noticed to go awry. So yeah. it is one of, there's quite a few really interesting Bermuda Triangle stories and I may do some more in the future. Mm. Um, this one is a very well-known one. That's um, awesome. So Quick little conclusions. Um, there's, again, no official explanation for the disappearance of the crew of the Carolee Deering. Obviously, we know where the ship is or what happened to the ship, but we don't know what happened to the crew. Um, it is an absolute favourite of anyone that likes the Bermuda Triangle, so apologies to any of you out there. I've probably butchered this story and you'll <laughs> never forgive me, but again, I don't care. You have not. You've told it really well. I really liked it, so they can just shut up. Yeah. Uh, it is a really fascinating one. There's lots of books about it. So if you do want to read more about it, please do. Um, some other possible conclusions I want to throw out there is that it's also possible that Deering's crew simply just abandoned ship after the vessel grounded on the Diamond Shoals. Mm. Um, and if they're already in a dangerous part of the ocean because it's the shoals, um, they may have just been swept out to sea. It's a big area. You yeah. know, it's a really, really big area. And we're talking... That, you know, early 1900s, it's not, it's not like they just can do a Grab on the sat phone yeah. and, yeah, or get the helicopters and stuff out there and, yeah, the Coast Guard. I, I am going to leave you with one more little mystery, though, because you know I like to do that. I stopped counting the mysteries. I'm sorry. Was this <laughs> a test? I didn't that. count. Okay. <laughs> now, when the Coast Guard boarded the Carolee Deering, they found that distress signals two red lights high in the rigging had been lit. The steamer Hewitt that was known to be in this in the area could have sighted these distress signals and taken the crew of the Carol A. Deering aboard themselves. Okay. Now the Hewitt was also later lost with all hands. So it is possible, however unlikely, but possible that the crew of the Carol A. Deering was rescued by the Hewitt but has gone down all together in the one ship. Oh, but we I will like never that. know. We'll never know. Mm. Oh, now I want to hear the story of the Hewitt too. Mm. You might have to do that next episode. Next Possibly. time. Mm. I like that. Wouldn't that suck? It's just like, hey guys, help us, help us. They're like, yeah, no worries. Hop on the ship. Whoops, we sank. Well, there <laughs> is a fascinating, fast. I almost did. There's another story about something very similar where, uh, Actually, I, oh, I'll tell you a little snippet of it. Okay. Uh, it's a similar story where someone, a ship found another ship that uh, was abandoned or seemingly abandoned and they sent a, sh a crew over to go and rescue the ship, you know, to salvage the ship. Mm. The crew never returned. So they <gasps> oh sent God, another crew to go salvage the ship. And the that crew. crew never returned. Oh, no, that's the worst. So, it's like Monty Python, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my house sank into the swamp. <laughs> so I built another house. That sank into the swamp. I oh, might tell that one too. So That sounds great. Oh, I love it. Oh, now, yeah. One last thing. If you, yep. are, if you are at all interested, um, as of April 2016, the ship's bell and capstan from the Carolee Deering uh, they're now on display at the graveyard of the Atlantic Museum in Hatteras. So if you would like to go and see that, you can go okay. see bits of the, the ship that have been survived. And that is the, sh the story of the Carol A. Deering and Bermuda Triangle. Woo! 
I really loved how you told that. And then again, as I said, you told me it was about the Bermuda Triangle last night, but I totally forgot. So that was a cute little twist. I like that. Imagine if as well, you were a ship, like a, a, um, a crew member of the Carol A. Deering and like, we're talking at 1920s. So mm-hmm. then you get saved and then you just go ashore, but you just live on a farm. So you don't get the newspapers and stuff. So you never really <laughs> hear anything about it. And you just go about living your life. And then one day you're just in a bar and you're just like, what's the obsession with this shit? I was on that. Like, fine. like <laughs> yeah. Barry came to my wedding. Like we're all good. <laughs> like, I bet you there's stories of that. <gasps> I know. Mm. I'm just ter- terrible at keeping secrets. So imagine if like something really bad happened and they all agreed to like keep a secret and say mm. they were never on the ship and just pretend to be dead. <gasps> Oh, I'm making myself excited now with conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to do something a little lighthearted. I'm, I'm obviously a real big fan of um, mysteries mm-hmm. um, from a skeptic's point of view, not from a I want to believe in magic and oh, I, supernatural. I think, do you know but... something I'm discovering is that I think that that's why you and I are a great team for one of, one of many reasons, but because I'm super, I get so sucked in. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love a conspiracy. I love a paranormal story. I freak myself out when I have to turn the lights off in my house. I like jog into my bedroom so the monsters don't get me. I'm all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just burst in there and I'm like, get out from under the bed. (laughs) I'm scarier than any monster. So... (laughs) Oh, um, goodness me. No, I'm well, glad you enjoyed it, Kate. I will yeah. definitely be doing more stories uh, in the future, some more mysteries and some more very specific fear-based ones around water and Amazing. what, what scares yes. me the most about it. I think as well, like it ties in really well. I will definitely, I know last week we were discussing um, the weather mm-hmm. and I do have a weather part too, but I don't, you know, we, we don't want to sort of overload you all with too much um nautical or meteorological i just had a stroke fuck Um, meteorological yeah thank you those ones uh so i think i just was gonna throw it out there next week i was gonna do an episode on clowns (laughs) what do you think do you want to hear about clowns i think clowns can be very particularly scary and i know that uh, that sort of fear, which you, I'm sure you'll teach us the phobia of yes, next week. Obviously. Yep. Uh, I'm sure that some of our listeners will definitely be able to relate to that one. So I'm go for it, Kate. I'm Perfect. on board with whatever you got planned for us. Excellent. Well, that's our little catch, our little hook into next week's episode. We would definitely have, um, yeah, weather part two. I do want to touch on hurricanes mm. and things as we did today. Uh, but yeah, we'll give you a bit of a break from mother nature and, have a chat about uh some other weird shit like clowns love it amazing so excited well thank you so much dom i loved that story i was so sucked in uh yeah i can't wait to to read more about those ah weird paranormal shit thanks bermuda triangle thanks for being so patient i know there's lots of names and people and places and timelines it can get very confusing especially when they've got three or four words in a name but (laughs) If I could remember it in the state that I'm in, then you can too. So. Oh, absolutely. Well done. I'm very proud of you for getting through today. <laughs> <laughs> now enjoy the rest of your weekend. And thank you guys. Please don't forget to, um, yeah, make sure that you're liking and subscribing. Comment. Send us a message. Like, yeah. honestly, if there's anything that we chat about, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and we will, yeah, make sure that we can 
bring up anything in our episodes, answer any questions where possible because, yeah, we get lost. We just get in, we enjoy telling stories and sometimes we go off on tangents. So, you know, right tree. Our up. life is a tangent. But, uh, yeah. yeah, recommend us to a friend out there, just one person. That, that mm. would be very helpful. We'd love you for that. So Yeah, absolutely. All right, Kate, All right. see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Boo. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.